Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the stories of business is good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a podcast from Colorado Business Roundtable, and I'm excited to have a special guest on today, Jesse Mallory, who is the State Director for Americans for Prosperity Colorado. Previous to that role, Jesse worked in the Colorado State Senate, serving as the Chief of Staff to Senate President Bill Cadman and President Kevin Grantham. He's a graduate of CSU. Uh, with a bachelor's in political science. And I've had the pleasure of working with Jesse for many years. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Jesse. We're so glad you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Hey, before we jump into, uh, you know, issues of the day and some of the work that you're doing with AFP, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you end up working in the political sphere? I don't know that it's anybody's big dream when they come out of high school or college to work in politics, but how did you end up in that role at the Colorado State Senate, first of all? And how did it um, lead you to where you are today. Sure. No, I started uh, getting politically involved in, in college. I was I was apolitical, largely. Actually, leaned pretty far left, uh, <laughs> like most like most young people. And uh, I started by uh, just registering people to vote and getting engaged in conversations and folks. And then the more I started to read about the parties and the political process, the more interested I got, um, wandered into a young college Republicans meeting, got to know some of those folks, got engaged. And it just like one thing kept building where I used to just show up to meetings and I was helping and I was running them. Then I was leading the, the CSU chapter and then the state chapter. And then someone's like, Hey, you want to work on a campaign? I said, sure. This, you know, it was Bush Cheney reelection. I thought, yeah, this would be fun. And uh, it just kind of snowballed and started working on campaigns and went, Went to Virginia, lived there for a little bit, working on some campaigns, and then came back. Uh, same thing, kind of living that, uh, as I call the campaign Huckleberry Finn lifestyle, where you're just kind of bouncing <laughs> kids in there. And, yeah, I remember that as well. And then uh, when uh, I was working for J.J. Met, and then when uh, he lost to Walker uh, in the primary, uh, I got a call from someone and said, hey, come, uh, why don't you come think about being the communications director in the state senate for then uh, Senate Minority Leader Mike Cobb. So... Uh, that was Wednesday after the Tuesday primary, and uh, by Thursday I was hired, <laughs> and then wow. started working, yeah, for Senator Cop. And then when he resigned and Senator Cadman took over, I was later promoted to chief of staff, and then worked with him helping uh, flip the state senate to Republican control, and then also for uh, President Grantham for about a year, and then. Uh, after spending time building partisan majorities, I got more interested in creating kind of long-term policy majorities, and AFP was seemed like the right place for me. Well, and it's so interesting that you started, you said, in um, your younger years because you were drawn in on policy initially. Mm-hmm. What was the moment for you? It's interesting that you said you started out being more left-leaning, and then you had sort of an ideological shift. Do you remember what led to that? Yeah, paying taxes. <laughs> 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 and just get in the workforce when I thought, man, you know, it'd be great if we all just kind of did our part and fair share and all that. And I saw it out in reality. It was like, man, this doesn't really work. And I was trying to figure out why I was working so hard and bringing home so little. <laughs> and, you know, it was just kind of that, uh, I guess, uh, that shock of like, wow, I'm, you know, I got to work this much just to pay insurance and just to pay taxes. And then this is all I get to take home. And uh, it kind of got me rethinking that, you know, maybe 
maybe I'm looking at this wrong <laughs> and that, yeah. it, you know, brought me down the path. Yeah. Economic issues have always been pretty important to me. So I can relate to that as well. And it's interesting too. I find, you know, you've had such a good career helping people get elected, helping leadership serve at the state capitol, you know, a lot of behind the scenes roles. Is AFP the first time where you've been front and center as far as leading the organization here in Colorado? Yeah, I mean, before that, I was, you know, I'd be the spokesman for a candidate, but largely it was dependent on them. This was a little bit of a change because uh, I, I was the one driving the narrative. I was the one doing the radio, and uh, that was that, that was a big shift for me because, you know, I remember the first time I did my first radio interview was with Kanda, um, and, uh, or Krista Kafer, sorry, and... Uh, she, she was very sweet. I'll give it that. She was very helpful. Um, but I, I was so nervous. All I could think about is, oh, man, all these people are listening. And what if I say something wrong? <laughs> and she had to, like, drag me through the interview. I texted her afterward and said, I really appreciate how nice you are. <laughs> That's nice. I'll have yeah. to send her a copy of the podcast and have her uh, yeah. give, you, give you a scorecard. <laughs> know that she was one of your first, um, you know, yep. Super fun. This is new for me, podcasting. So, uh, you know, I thought it was kind of cool until my son told me, oh, everybody has a podcast. You know, that's not such a big deal. <laughs> yeah, you know, man, I always let uh, my wife and daughter listen to my interviews and give me pointers. And finally, one day I was like, you know, you can deliver this criticism a little more constructively. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I love hearing about your background because I think I've known you for such a long time and all those different roles, and I've really enjoyed working with you. And I think in some ways, it's all really culminated to the role that you're in today is, has just been, um, you know, has such a pivotal opportunity in Colorado, especially talking about economic issues. So for the folks who are listening, tell us a little bit, just big picture, Americans for Prosperity stands for and what your role is with AFP Colorado. Sure. Well, I, uh, I'm the state director, so I manage our team. We're uh, 12 and growing. Uh, we have six offices across the state from Fort Collins to Colorado Springs and even out in Grand Junction. And really, a, a lot of folks, what's interesting is I found out throughout my time with the community is that a lot of folks focus on our electoral efforts, which, you know, we do. We do engage in electoral issues, ballots, candidates. But the large part of what we actually do is on um, education, is, you know, helping people understand policies and different things. And that uh, that's that's a primary work that we do. For instance, uh, AFP has been working really hard in the education community for several years, primarily through our foundation, but it's just get, giving people the tools to understand, here's your options. There's a lot of folks that are out there promoting charters or private or public, and our belief is every kid, I mean, as a parent, and I'm sure as you know as a parent as well, that each of your children learns a little differently. They take information in different ways, and our belief is that your child should go to the school that benefits them, and whether that's a traditional public school, a private school, or a charter school, Let's help give parents those options. Um, so we do a lot of work in that space. And uh, a lot of folks like to focus on, you know, the election ad or the ballot issue ad that we did. But, I mean, the primary work we do is helping people realize that the internal barriers they're facing. Uh, Libre Initiative does, we'll do ESL classes with folks and things like that to give people the tools that they need to be successful in life. And, I mean, that's really our primary purpose. Mm -hmm. I love that, Jesse. I didn't realize you even did all that work in the education sphere. You know, I looked up kind of your main mission statement, and it really is profound about protecting the American dream and fighting. Uh, you know, you've got some other details in there about fighting each day for lower taxes, less government regulation, economic prosperity. But I like that it's under the header of the American dream, which I think, you know, really fits what you're trying to do in education as well. If people don't have opportunity 
you know, within the education space, they won't achieve their American dream. So is that mm-hmm. kind of a picture theme for AFP? Yeah, no, I think I think that's a great way to capture. I mean, our AFP exists to transform the institution of government in order to, you know, help people with lower tax levels, with with better education opportunities. You know, a lot of folks look at it like, well, oh, you know, they just hate, they just hate taxes. Well, let's, let's think about the gas tax issue that was pre-COVID being talked about in the session. And a reporter came to me and was kind of like, okay, I get it. You just hate taxes. And I, and I started walking her through, here's a disproportionate impact it has on vulnerable and low-income populations. Like, a lot of people like to focus on, well, it's only five cents more per gallon. And you don't know what somebody's margins are, right? I remember <laughs> as a young parent when... You know, I'm still trying to figure out how we made it through sometimes with, you know, because margins were so tight and it was like every dollar mattered. And I think it, we do a disservice to people to assume that, you know, somebody's financial situation in uh, Adams County, where I live. You know, there, there's a lot of folks um, who are, you know, just barely getting by. And especially right now, and any sort of increase like that can really impact their grocery bill and, you know, the extra money that they need to try to give their kids a better life. Well, and I'm glad that AFP and that you're making that argument that it's not just, you know, free money, uh, it's somebody's money. And if the government or some entity is going to require that from someone's paycheck or from their pocketbook, you know, it's got to be for really good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, does have impact on people's lives one way or the other. And that's the, uh, you know, I think about some of these parents I know who, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to give their kids different opportunities, be it through athletics or other things, but they're, you know, they have to do payment plans. They're, they're paying, you know, $5 a week or whatever it is in order just to give their, their kids that opportunity. And a, and a gas tax increase might actually take that away. <laughs> I mean, those, those are sort of things that I think about. Tell me, you mentioned uh, the coronavirus. And, of course, that's uh, that's changed everybody's plans and scope, obviously, for 2020, really at a time where we've got such economic uncertainty and devastation coupled with the health issues, of course, and the fear of what could happen still on the health front. How has that affected your plans for 2020 um, looking forward? What were your priorities perhaps at the beginning of the year and how does that, how did you have to adjust those? So, I mean, a lot of our priorities maintain the same. Uh, it's obviously just the tactics <laughs> look a little different. <laughs> yeah. I remember thinking, now oh, this will be, you know, a really uncomfortable few weeks. Um, and, and I was off. And <laughs> but a lot of what we do um it's hard to it's hard to build a community and advocate and do those things when you're unable to see people. But there was a story that was I think CNBC posted it initially or someone and uh, it spread and how we 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 just switched digital. I mean we surprisingly I guess not surprisingly is a lot of folks are sitting at home right now on their phones on their computers more than they ever have. So we've been connecting with people digitally, talking about issues, saying, hey, here's some tools to help educate you on, you know, this issue or uh, like our healthcare reimagine campaign, because obviously healthcare is a big issue right now with the coronavirus. So one of the things we're doing is really pushing telehealth. Uh, Colorado, I mean, telemedicine, when you think about telehealth, telemedicine, Colorado has been a leader there. Um, I, I remind my colleagues, we were doing it long before it was cool. And uh, so Colorado has been advanced in that area. But there's still some issues. Like we found out that uh, there are government barriers to giving Medicaid patients telehealth, and which is is a huge problem because you have vulnerable populations that don't want to go sit in the waiting room. We have to make sure that they have that option. There's folks who would rather talk to their doctor in the comfort of their own home, and they feel much safer. So 
we're, uh, we're working to educate folks on that right now. And frankly, uh, people are picking up the phone a lot more than they used to because, I mean, I don't know about you. I've been, I've talked to the warranty dealer department who calls me throughout the day repeatedly about a vehicle I don't own just because I was bored. Like, hey, let's see what they want. <laughs> and there's just a lot of folks who are looking for, you know, something to engage on a policy to, you know, think about something, you know, to give them a purpose. And, you know, what for some folks is a really unfortunate time. It really is. And I, I like what you're doing on the healthcare front. Um, you know, a lot of older people don't know how to use Zoom. You know, mm-hmm. it's been, I've had to learn how to use and I'm, I don't consider myself an older person quite yet. But, uh, you know, there's all these implications regarding technology and is it in place, especially, uh, you know, some of our members are involved in broadband and some other tech, technology infrastructure where I think we're seeing some weaknesses perhaps in Colorado where, you know, it could be interesting to see how budget is reprioritized in light of kind of the, what people need going forward mm-hmm. and expectations were for, for 2020 before that. Um, yeah. I mean, with the, uh, with the dip in the economy, I mean, we're going to see, I was talking to a few legislators and I said, it'll be really interesting to see what the general assembly considers. What are the core function of government? Is it, K-12? <laughs> is it healthcare? Is it, uh, you know, infrastructure? Where, where's the money going to be spent? Because now more than ever, there is a true limited amount. Yeah. And, and I would think that, you know, you guys are involved in all those different discussions regarding spending, regarding um, potential state bailouts, stimulus. In some ways, Jesse, I know for my work with Colorado Business Roundtable, I feel like I'm busier than ever because we're part of some of those discussions regarding economic recovery. Mm-hmm. And working with government officials, academia, nonprofits, like getting a lot of people in the room with with the groups that I represent, which is the private sector, you know, how do we come up with plans that are actually going to lead to an economic recovery? You know, do you have kind of, you know, what's the big advice coming down from AFP on some of those budget and economic issues going forward? Sure. Well, thinking about federal bailout that Speaker Pelosi was considering, um, our, our contention with that is, States have a lot of options. I mean, there was a billion dollars sent to Colorado, and let's let's see how those how that money's being put to work before states go out and start requesting more. And you know, it's not a hot and sexy issue for a lot of folks, but the national debt is. I mean, we just passed twenty five trillion. That's a number that's really hard to comprehend for a lot of folks, but comes down to seventy six thousand per individual, two hundred thousand per taxpayer. We have to find a way to deal with emergency without adding future problems for other folks down the road. And Jesse, is AFP one of the few organizations left actually willing to talk about uh, those issues, like the the hole that we have in um, the federal side as far as spending? I don't hear a lot of critiquing. I like to say that both parties talk about the national debt when they're not in power, but uh, when they seem to get the power, then they seem to forget about it and continue spending. And I mean, it's hard to add programs and take them away, but I mean, we're coming to an unsustainable path where if the U S does not do something soon, that bill is coming due. I think uh, I I watched a video from uh, reason TV that really broke down the debt in a really easy to digest way. I thought, because it was a simpler time when we were only 20 trillion in debt, which was a couple of years ago. And uh, they say it's, you know, this debt is not just some of the money. It's literally all the money. If the U.S. took, you know, went to every couch and shook out every penny, every nickel you could find, that would pay $2 trillion at that time. If they sold all the gold, that's $11 trillion. I mean, and we still have a bunch left. So 
it's a real issue. It's like folks who, you know, you just add a little bit more to the credit card, just a little bit more. And suddenly you wake up, oh man, I have this giant debt. How am I going to pay it off? And then, and then there's draconian decisions that are made by governments in order to address it. So, I mean, it's something that I I know a lot of folks aren't thinking about, but it's, it's a real problem that we have, we're going to have to face. Well, and combined with the federal debt that you were saying, and there's still, I think all the states saying we want more, we want more in terms of federal stimulus. You know, we've got, Last I heard, $3.3 billion, you know, money that's got to be sorted out in Colorado. I mean, it, you probably look at that and are, maybe you're glad you're not serving in leadership at this point in the state Senate. Those are tough, tough numbers, um, you know, to come together collaboratively and cut that money from the budget. How do you think your friends and my friends are doing at the state capitol on that important uh, I have no illusions that uh, there's going to be difficult decisions that have to be made. And, you know, of course, everybody wants to, um, you know, protect programs that they hold valuable and that there's communities that will be impacted. And I think this is comes to a point where you have to decide, you know, at what point do you say, maybe we can't afford to, uh, you know, certain handouts anymore. I mean, one, one for me personally that drives me crazy is the, the ones that we do for a lot of these Hollywood companies. And I'm thinking, you know, with the budget crisis we're in right now, maybe maybe now's not the time to do that. And mm-hmm. those are the conversations that I believe have to be had in order for us to get there to start closing those gaps. And as the economy starts to rebound, and, and this time's different than any other, you know, I can remember years down in the Capitol where, you know, as more revenue starts coming in, the Joint Budget Committee would then, their 1331s, which allows them to do certain things when the legislature's not in session, start funding programs and doing other things. You know, we, we will move beyond this. It's just a function of when. And we have to make sure the decisions we're making, like as the Joint Budget Committee was considering adding another $990 million to the Colorado's pension debt. I mean, it's like... We have to make sure the decisions we're making aren't creating more problems for us down the road that are going to be even more difficult to deal with. It's not an easy thing. So, I mean, you know, my hope is that uh, as folks speak up and start to voice their concerns, that we can find a path that, you know, addresses us and gets us through this in the least uh, in the least painful way. But accepting the fact that there are certain things that the government's going to have to decide, you know, maybe now's not the time to do this anymore. Well, and I think to your point, it's going to be painful. It's a matter of, you know, what level of pain, um, you know, and like you said, what gets cut. And I'm hoping, I'm, I'm so optimistic that there's a lot of folks who, you know, are going to put political stuff aside just a little bit and be extra collaborative because there's going to be pain on every area that the state has funded in the past years. Colorado has, for the most part, is actually pretty good about that. Uh, I think, what separates us from Washington is I'll send congressional offices and they say, well, this office is, you know, saying that they're going to do this. And, you know, we're seeing the movement here. And I remember I asked the silly question of, can we just pick up the phone and call them? Apparently the answer is no. That's not how they do things. Um, yeah, they that's what we're so I think that's why we have a, a way of getting things done. Perfect. Hey, Jesse, we're almost out of time. But before we drop, um, drop off, I want to hear more about what you're working on on trade. I just sort of feel like, and you might feel the same way, like once we're able to get through this health, the health uncertainty and people have more consumer confidence to get out there and, uh, you know, dine and perhaps, you know, have sporting events again and get their businesses running, you know, that's the engine that's going to get us going again. You know, cutting is actually going to help, help that. We've got to get the economy moving really quickly again. Um, tell us about what you're working on on trade, sort of in light of that economic recovery. Yeah, so uh, we, we've been pushing about um, a free trade effort for some time, and it's a 
you know, trade builds America and, and to really show them the benefits of free trade. And I, I think at a time like this, when people are really uncertain, a lot of folks will kind of default to the protectionism. Like we, you know, we, we need to pull back and it's like, no, now's the time that we need to make sure that we're breaking down barriers to where people can really move goods and services, you know, across the nation and across the globe, because that's how we're going to pull out of this. What has really become a global pandemic is that we need to get the movement we need to get the confidence of what we can do is resort to protectionism and putting up barriers to say, well, we don't want these goods or we don't want these, you know, to do things like this. It's um, the, the way we dig out of this is moving forward. And like you said, building that confidence to get people back out there, uh, engaging the economy. I mean, people, you know, don't realize that, all the secondary impacts of things that when these places close a ripple effect, they had on other businesses that were supporting their employees. So, I mean, it starts to have an impact. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We, I like to talk about it in, as an interconnectivity, you know, business. We're all very interconnected and we're global all the time. You know, I don't think I've used the word supply chain so much as I have, have in the last couple of months. So. <laughs> It's kind of a new fascinating topic to get into as well. Want more information about AFP Colorado? What's what's the website they can go to? It's americansforprosperity.org. You can find us at AFP Colorado on Twitter and Americans for Prosperity Colorado on Facebook. So find out what we're up to, all the things we're working on, and different ways to make your voice heard. Perfect. And then how's football season looking for your for your kid? Is it looking good? Well, we just we just had this talk yesterday, <laughs> and yeah, I, I said, you know, looking at the phases, looking at all this, um, it, it may not be an option, but, uh, you know, we negotiated a little over a month ago. I bought him a throwing net so he can keep working on his passing, and, you know, he's just he's doing all he can and trying to, trying to maintain hope, but uh, I, I said, you, you may find yourself uh, playing basketball, um, you know, in a couple months rather than starting out in football, so we'll see. <laughs> Well, I'm rooting for it. You know, I feel like uh, part of economic recovery is actually these quality of life issues that we enjoy, especially as Coloradans, you know, sports and being back out in the mountains and all the things we do. So um, hopefully that that'll be a big part of our economic recovery as well. There's a lot of kids who, you know, this is this is the outlet they need. And uh, I have a lot of kids that I coach that, you know, this is this is what they do. This is, you know, what helps them, you know, process when they're, you know, some of them have some pretty difficult homes. And, you know, this is what they do to be with their friends, to do something they love. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for the time. And, um, you know, I think we have so much in common with Colorado Business Roundtable. You know, we're trying to create a Colorado that helps businesses thrive because we know when businesses thrive, it certainly helps people and it helps communities. So we appreciate that you are also such an advocate and AFP has been for a really long time, an advocate on economic policies that uh, help people you know, find and create their own American dreams. So thanks again to Jesse Mallory with AFP Colorado for joining us on Profits and Purpose today, podcast sponsored by Colorado Business Roundtable. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom, Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.